Linebacker is quietly one of the Falcons' biggest needs entering this offseason, but can they count on Troy Anderson in 2023? And who else will step up to take the other spot next season? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and of course, the most humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. The only thing more excited than the big game this year is the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. There's only five days left until the Super Bowl. Are you ready? Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Guys, we thank you for making Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, it's free and available Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Falcons on YouTube, and you'll get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. Help us get over 5,000 subscribers there, Guy, if you haven't already subscribed. And also check us out on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Locked on Sports Atlanta app on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So, guys, uh, we're talking about the Falcons linebacker position, right, as part of our year-end positional reviews. Um, you know, it's quietly kind of a, a big need for the Falcons, the linebacker position, and that's due to the fact that the current options on the roster are not necessarily stellar based off of their 2022 play. Collectively, I thought the linebacker play this year was pretty underwhelming. And while I wasn't a person that thought the Falcons should have traded for Roquan Smith, uh, that trade to me didn't make a ton of sense for the Falcons to give up draft assets there. But certainly I gotten, I guess, exasperated with the linebacker play enough down the stretch that I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe they should have traded for Roquan Smith to get some competent linebacker play in the room. But, you know, I do think there's the potential that we will see improved play from this group next year. And a lot of that rests on someone like Troy Anderson developing. And when I look back at Troy Anderson's rookie year in 2022, it wasn't a great season for him overall, but he did exceed my expectations in several ways. One of the main concerns I had about Troy Anderson making the jump from Montana state to the NFL, given his limited experience of playing the linebacker position in college. Um, but you know, that came with it, some mental issues or me not, uh, mental issues, like some, uh, you know, ele elements of his game and from, from an instinctual standpoint that it was probably going to be lacking. But my main concern with Troy Anderson was okay does he have the physical element and he was not a particularly physical player in college and so I was very worried about him you know the NFL being just too physical a league for him and I while I won't say it was a non-issue for him as a rookie it was not as massive a hurdle as I thought it would be so that's part of the reason why he sort of exceeded my expectations my relatively low expectations uh heading into the season and we saw Troy Anderson make his starting debut in that week six game against the 49ers. And that got a lot of hype uh, afterwards because he got 13 tackles in that game. And, you know, people that love the box score scout 
as I talked out and broke down on the film review that week after that week was I thought his performance was pretty ho-hum in that game. And, you know, I think some of the reasons why it was being overhyped was due to certain narratives surrounding other linebackers that either were currently on the team or had just recently been traded from the team. We'll talk more about that a little bit later when we talk about Michael Walker. Um, but after that point, we saw Troy Anderson sort of take Michael Walker's starting job after the bye week. That was one of the changes that the Falcons made after sort of assessing their bye week. Um, and I thought Anderson mostly struggled for those final four games, but you did see some flashes of some positive things. He had a forced ta- a forced fumble in one of those games that was a, a big play. And then the week 18 game, he really showcased his pass rush ability. Pro Football Focus uh, charted him with five pressures, three hurries, and two hits. I myself in my charting gave him one more hurry uh, along with those uh, two hits for a total of six pressures uh, in that game. And I think one of the reasons why I think throughout the season, his pass rush was probably the thing that he was best at because it's the, probably the most simple thing that he could do, which is kind of like see ball, get ball, you know, run through this a gap, blow up that running back and, and go hit the quarterback. Uh, and so I think that led to him being the most effective as a pass rusher, uh, as a rookie, because that required the least amount of thinking. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about, you know, young players, I think there's often an assumption with, most fans and in media that, Oh, you know, a player's young, they'll get better at certain things. And you have to figure out and you have to evaluate the player. Like what is he struggling with? Is he struggling with the physical element or is he struggling with the mental elements? Cause the physical elements really don't necessarily go away. If you're not fast enough, you're not strong enough. Those types of things aren't going to really get better with time. But if it's the mental elements, that is something that you do expect to get better. And I do think with Troy Anderson, uh, it was, you know, more that mental stuff uh, that he can, uh, get better at. And I think he will get better at with time. You know, some of those things are related to playing uh, physically, like when it comes to disengaging and leveraging blocks and, and improving his run fits, those are areas that he's going to have to get better just because of the way that the Falcons want to play defensively under new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen playing with those soft boxes that we've touched upon in previous episodes where you're going to play with six men in the box. And if you, you have to be able to stop the run and that requires your linebackers along with your defensive linemen to be physical and, and be better in their run fit. So essentially like, you know, Troy Anderson's going to be in a situation if he's going to be a starter, he's going to have to sink or swim when it comes to getting better in the run fits because the way that the Falcons are going to want to play moving forward requires him to have to get better. And again, I think with time and with development, he will get better. The coverage element of his rookie season was not, was a little lackluster, right? Like my charting showed he was the least effective of the Falcons' three linebackers, along with Michael Walker and Rashawn Evans in coverage, whether it was man or zone coverage. But I don't think that's due to a lack of ability. Again, I think that was just the mental elements of the game being a little bit too much, being out of position, those types of things, not reacting uh, in time uh, on, on a couple of those plays. So I think that's going to be another area where we will start to see him get better and improve and start to live up to the athleticism where he's clearly the best athlete of the Falcons linebackers and has a lot of potential there in coverage. So, you know, I, I fully expect Anderson to be penciled in as a starter heading into 2023 that when we're doing our positional previews like six months from now uh, going into the summer and in the season, we'll be talking about Troy Anderson as one of the team's two main uh, linebacker starters. Um, And I think it'll be interesting to see sort of what the new regime under Nielsen envisions his role exactly to be. Because when you look at the Saints defenses over the last couple of years, you know, obviously you've had a guy like Demario Davis as sort of that rock in the middle, that Mike linebacker. 
more of that downhill run defender, also a superb blitzer, one of the best blitzing linebackers in the league, and also no slouch when it comes to coverage. So a do-everything type of linebacker. And I think Troy Anderson at least has the skill set to be a similar type of player. I recall a conversation with Jarvis at some point during the season. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or off the air uh, where we were talking about Troy Anderson, comparing him to DeMario Davis and DeMario Davis was, you know, as good as he has been these last, you know, four or five years in new Orleans, you know, he was a late bloomer. Like he, he kind of struggled early in his career and it really wasn't until like year six in his NFL career before he became the DeMario Davis that he is today. And so, you know, I feel like Troy Anderson has the potential to be that type of player, but maybe even sooner in his NFL career. Uh, And we'll see if he can develop that or could we see Troy Anderson more being uh, as the guy that can be the wheel linebacker in this Saints scheme where you've seen Pete Warner sort of fill that role the last couple of years? You had Quan Alexander there briefly in New Orleans uh, for a year or two sort of playing that role and being more of that sort of space player, that sideline to sideline coverage sort of specialist guy. And of course, again, Anderson has the skill set potentially to be that due to his speed, his range, his coverage potential as well. So I feel like Troy Anderson could fit in a variety of ways within this defense moving forward. It was just going to be a question of exactly how this coaching staff sees him in that role. But I think that flexibility does give you a lot of more opportunities to find other players that may be maybe a little bit more limited in sort of uh, have a complimentary player uh, with Troy Anderson. I, I feel like, you know, if you're wanting Troy Anderson to impact right away the most right now, probably the will linebacker is probably the best role. But again, I think that potential is there for him to be that Demario Davis, like Mike linebacker, you know, down the road, if, if you're willing to be a little bit patient with him. So he is a project, but he's a very talented project. And you go back to the conversation we had during my scouting report back in, in May of him and the player I said his ceiling comparison was, was Fred Warner. Now, that didn't necessarily mean I think he's going to be Fred Warner, who's arguably the best linebacker in the league right now. But basically what I was saying was the best version of the type of linebacker that Troy Anderson, I think, is and has the potential to be is Fred Warner. It's similar to the conversation when we drafted Calvin Ridley, where I said the best version of what Calvin Ridley can be is Marvin Harrison. Not to say that he's going to be a future Hall of Famer, but that's the best version of his type of player. And I think that's the same with uh, Troy Anderson and Fred Warner. You know, maybe he's only 75 percent of Fred Warner, but 75 percent of Fred Warner is a really good linebacker uh, so we're hoping that we'll see that type of development from Troy Anderson will be monitoring him again not expecting that to be day one week one next year but it's really going to be about how much development he shows from week one to week 18 uh, next season. So that's going to be a thing that we're going to keep an eye on for Troy Anderson over the coming months and years uh, but you know while I think Troy Anderson is one part of the Falcons linebacker equation, you know, who's going to be the guy that lines up next to him? That's going to lead to a conversation about whether Rashawn Evans or Michael Walker could be that guy or the Falcons need to look outside the organization to find that other linebacker. And we'll talk about that as we continue today's episode. But today's episode is also brought to you by the Ultimate Football GM. And you've heard me talk about this fun new mobile game. And if you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, your dream has now come true. And this is definitely the game for you. You manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through a season, build your dynasty, you hire, fire coaches and coordinators, you make trades, you're navigating your team through free agency, the draft, and all the ups and downs of the season. I've had several listeners Already in the Locked On Falcons Discord, talk about how much fun they've been having playing the game. It's a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free. It's a 
playable offline. You can play on the go as as you want and when you want. And that's what I love about this game is like I can play it. I can go hardcore for a couple of days on it and then I can put it down for a couple of days and feel like there's no uh, obligation or anything that I've missed there. And you, we've now created a locked on league for you guys to compete against other locked on fans all over the world. Just choose locked on league in the app to join. And our listeners will also get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in all caps in the game store. That's locked on L O C K E D O N in all caps. So you make sure you check it out today. So download the game by visiting ultimate GM.com or look it up in the app stores. That's ultimate GM.com ultimate football GM start your dynasty today. So when we talk about the Falcons linebacker position with Troy Anderson penciled in at one spot. I don't expect the other guy when the Falcons play, you know, predominantly their four, two, five nickel for, you know, roughly 60 plus percent of their snaps this year. I don't expect that other linebacker to be a guy that's already on the roster, but let's break down those current options that currently are here, starting with Rashawn Evans. And I, I think, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Rashawn Evans play this past year, but he did do some good things, right? Like, you know, his his game is really being more that downhill run stopper, shooting gaps, uh, blitzing, uh, even broke up a couple of passes uh, this past year. And my charting actually said that he's the best coverage linebacker on the team, at least in terms of his production, looking at certain metrics like passer rating allowed and success rate allowed, even though like watching with my eyes, like he clearly is very limited in coverage. Um, and I think my main issue with, with Rashawn Evans is like, those limitations and coverage are not offset quite enough by his prowess against the run and being that force against the run. is kind of the opposite of Deion Jones, where for years Debo was a, a elite coverage guy and you kind of were able to forgive him in terms of his run defending limitations. And then over time, you know, he became less effective in coverage Deion Jones that is. Uh, and so you, you know, stopped being as forgiving of some of those deficiencies against the run. And like, that's the kind of the opposite with Rashawn Evans, where it's like, he's like, yeah, he's a limited against coverage, but if he's a dominant run defender, you're, you're willing to forgive that, but he's not, he what at least this past year wasn't really a dominant run defender but again i'll give him some credit he was a solid bridge guy for what the falcons kind of needed he stepped in midway through the season um and and you know took over calling the defense wearing the green dot that was a responsibility he didn't have in tennessee so it was nice to see him step up in that regard um you know i've been a proponent of dean Pease and the defender of dean Pease on, on this podcast over the last year or two uh but one of the positives i would say from dmp stepping away from the game is it probably means that the falcons are not going to bring back rashawn evans uh as uh, a byproduct of that and so i can sit here and say that's the silver lining uh when it comes to evans not again not because he's a bad player but uh just because i think his limitations are you know he was a bridge right like he's not a guy that you're going to build around for the long term but he's just a bridge guy and so you know well i think it would you could justify the falcons bringing him back at, at another cheap price right it doesn't make a ton of sense to me because like the, now the Falcons have money to spend. Right. And so like Rashawn Evans was kind of like, Oh, you're trying to get the best bang for your buck at like $2 million that you're going to be able to spend on the starting linebacker. And I think Rashawn Evans gave you relatively that. Right. But now that you have more spending room, like you have the potential to upgrade. And so now you're not hamstrung by only spending $2 million. Now you can spend $5 million or $8 million or $10 million, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, 
Let's talk a little bit about Michael Walker. And I think we recently discussed him briefly on a Q&A that we did prior to the Senior Bowl a little bit. Um, and, you know, Walker's season, again, was probably a little underwhelming because in large part due to the fact that he, he got a lot of pub, a lot of hype this summer for being a potential breakout player. And he did not break out, right? And while I wouldn't say Walker was awful this season, again, going back to something I mentioned earlier with certain agendas where it, it felt very much like there was, you know, this sort of, you know, Falcons Twitter and whatnot, but like people were at each other's necks over the Falcons linebackers and there was pro Deion Jones people and anti Deion Jones people. And like Michael Walker became like a proxy in that fight. Like if you were pro Deion Jones, you were denigrating Michael Walker. If you were anti Deion Jones, you were propping up Michael Walker and he got caught up in that. And so I, I feel like in a in certain to certain people, Walker, like depending on who you talk to, like which side of the, the war you're fighting, like Walker was a little overrated and also underrated in a lot of ways. And so going back to what we mentioned on that previous Q&A was the idea that like Walker's ceiling to me is about where I thought he would be when we draft him in the fourth round of 2020, which is a guy that starts because you don't have better options. And I think that was definitely the case this past season and should not be the case again due to the aforementioned uh, spending money in 2023. And so I think if Walker is going reverting back to being a reserve player that, you know, he's a very good reserve player. Like he's shown that he can be a functional starter that can check a lot of the boxes that you want, you know, as a run defender, as a pass rusher in coverage, you know, he's, he was also a very good special teams player for the first two years of his career did not get, you know, really any opportunities there this past year due to him being a starter. But if he goes back to being that, like he's a very valuable backup player to have. And, you know, I think if we get to week one of 2023 and he's starting for the Falcons, to me, that probably indicates that something has gone wrong in terms of the Falcons offseason plans and whatnot. But I certainly think you can you can make a case that you can do a lot worse than Michael Walker as a starter next to uh, or instead of Troy Anderson uh, next year. So, you know, I do think there is some untapped, you know, potential and upside with him. So I'm not going to completely close the door on him, you know, improving and becoming a better player beyond a quote unquote functional starter. And maybe nine months from now, we're talking about, oh, look at the the progress that Michael Walker showed, um, you know, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, instead of say a Troy Anderson or something like that. So that is certainly, um, a possibility that the Falcons are then looking to re-sign Michael Walker uh, when he becomes a free agent after this upcoming season, but I'm not going to necessarily hold my breath. If that happens, then great. No one's going to complain about it, but like, I'm not going to sit here and hold my breath that that's going to be a likely outcome. And uh, another player that fits into that reserve role and is also a free agent this offseason, along with Rashawn Evans, is Nick Kwiatkowski, right? And Kwiatkowski gave a lot of value on special teams this year. And that because of his past starting experience, again, is similar to Michael Walker. Uh, it totally makes sense to me for the Falcons to bring him back as a reserve that, you know, can come in in a pinch and start games for you in the event of injuries and also give you value on special teams. But you could off also imagine Kwiatkowski looking for greener pastures, better opportunities. Someone might be able to be more willing to pay him to com at least compete for a starting spot and, and may he may 
seek that. And I would imagine the Falcons may not necessarily bend over backwards uh, to bring him back because him and Walker offer basically similar value to the team. And so if he does leave, you know, that opens up an opportunity for, say, a Nate Landman or Dorian Etheridge, two guys that, you know, spent the majority of the year on the practice squad to step up into that void and and be primarily special teams guys as probably the fourth linebacker on the team. Um, and so that makes sense for me if the Falcons go in that direction. But because of that, because I feel like you have your number two guy in uh, Anderson, your number three guy in Walker, and, and in between Kwiatkowski, Landman, or Etheridge, probably your number four guy, you know, that means that you have to go out there and get that number one guy at that linebacker position. I expect the Falcons to fully explore their options uh, this offseason to find that player elsewhere. And we'll talk about some of those potential options to wrap up today's episode but i want to tell you about prize picks a fun new way to play daily fantasy pick two to six players and if they score more or less in their prize picks projection you can win up to 25 times your money and you're not competing against other people it's just you versus projections and prize picks offers projections on pretty much any sport you can possibly imagine whether it's the nfl the nba nhl wnba college sports nascar tennis mma esports boxing pretty much everything Price picks, it's safe, it's fast, it's easy. It's currently in operation in over 30 states in the US and Canada. All you got to do to enter is download the Price Picks app or you can go to prizepicks.com and sign up. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. And that means if you deposit 100 bucks and use that promo code, Prizepix is going to give you 100 bucks. You deposit 50 bucks, Prizepix will give you $50. So don't forget that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And I want to tell you about Built Bar because everybody wants to eat a little bit healthier this time of year. And if you're like me, you want to eat healthy but not have to compromise on taste. Built Bar is the thing for you. It's the healthy protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And what makes Built Bar so good? It's just like candy bars that are covered in 100% real chocolate. And my tried and trues are flavors like peanut butter brownie and coconut almond. And not only do they taste great, they're healthy too, because you're only getting 130 calories, only four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and for years told you to go over to built.com and order yourself a new box and you can still go there to check out new flavors and various sales but more importantly now guys you can go to your local walmart or sam's club to get yourself a box of built bars that's right head to your nearest walmart walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a four bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate and if you're at sam's run in and grab a 13 bar box of brownie batter or churro you can thank me later so wrapping up today's episode, talking about the Falcons linebacker positions, and we're going to continue the theme that we've had throughout several of these positional reviews where it becomes like, okay, the Falcons need to add more talent to the roster. We've known that now uh, for quite some time. That's going to be the goal of this offseason to really move the ball, move the needle in terms of the talent level of this roster. And the theme that we've expressed time and time again, and we'll continue today talking about the linebacker position is that you know, free agency makes probably more sense for the Falcons to prioritize in terms of moving that needle at the linebacker position, just like several other positions. And you know, one could easily imagine uh, seeing the Falcons signing one of these ex Saints that's familiar with what the type of scheme that Ryan Nielsen's going to want to bring here to Atlanta. You have Caden Ellis, you have Quan Alexander, who worked with Frank Bush in New York and uh, the Saints in recent years, AJ Clown. 
uh, AJ Klein, sorry, sorry, AJ, um, Alex Anzalone, all these guys are free agents this offseason. So they have some familiarity with uh, this sort of scheme. And, you know, we've talked in the past about how this regime under Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith predominantly have focused on signing players that they have familiarity with, whether they've worked with a coach like a Frank Bush or somebody else uh, on this coaching staff in the past. And that's due to, you know, the thing that Terry Fontenot constantly harps on, which is wanting to have the guys with the right makeup and character and all that stuff. And obviously coaches that have worked with these players are very familiar with what this player's makeup is from the way they practice, the way they approach, you know, the film room and all, all that sort of stuff in the locker room. But one of the questions we've had uh, several times over the last several weeks is like, will that change now that the Falcons have spending room? Like were they, doing that because they had to basically bargain bin shopping. And so therefore, well, we're only going to be able to sign a million dollars or spend a million dollars on this player or this position. And so therefore we're going to go with the known commodities that we know in terms of knowing that we can only spend a million dollars. So, um, you know, we're familiar with the brands. I think the analogy I use is like, you know, when you're eating on a budget, shopping on a budget, like you go to McDonald's because you're familiar and you know that that dollar menu, that value menu, you're going to be able to stretch, you know, three or four dollars uh, that, you know, you're in and be able to eat well. But now that you have spending money, you're still going to McDonald's is, is basically the question I ask. And I, I'm, I'm very curious to see if the Falcons do that. And linebacker is one of those positions where if they don't go for one of these eight ex saints like Caden Ellis or Quan Alexander, um, there will have plenty of good linebackers available in free agency that they want to sign, right? Potentially, like that's Levante David, or you have Tremaine Edwards with the Bills, or Edmonds with the Bills. You have David Long with the Titans, Quincy Williams with the Jets, TJ Edwards or Kaiser White with the Eagles, right? Jermaine Pratt with the Bengals, Drew Tranquil, Chargers, Bobby Okariki with the Colts, Leighton Vander Esch or Anthony Barr with the Cowboys, Devin Bush, Steelers, uh, Denzel Perryman, Raiders, Alex Singleton, Broncos, Aziz Al Shaheer with the 49ers. And I'm sure I can, you guys probably can come up with a couple other names at the top of this linebacker list that all could be pretty solid to very good starters for this Falcons if they're looking for somebody. You know, you want a veteran uh, to sort of teach Troy Anderson the ropes Levant, you know it's not going to get better than Levante David who's one of the best who's been one of the best linebackers in the league for a decade right if you want a young up-and-coming player right you can go after a Jermaine Pratt or David Long if you want to go after you know a young up-and-coming player that you know has the potential to be a, a world-class linebacker Tremaine Edmonds fits that boat you know so many other options for the Falcons uh this offseason and so because of that, like to me, there's no real excuse for the Falcons to walk away from March without having signed one of these basically 20 guys that I just rattled off uh, that they should be able to sign. Like it, it would be shocking to me if the Falcons didn't, uh, you know, solve their linebacker issues come free agency. But, you know, they may like the draft a little bit better or maybe they feel like they need to spend their money elsewhere. We'll see. Um, you know, I think notably on Tuesday, Lance Zierlein of NFL.com dropped the mock uh, that had the Falcons taking Arkansas linebacker Drew Sanders at eight, right? And while I haven't done a deep dive on Sanders' film, I have watched some of him. I think he's very good. I'm not quite convinced he's going to be a top 10 pick, but I certainly could very much see him going in the top 15, top 20 sort of range in the middle of this first round as the top linebacker off the board and certainly has the skill set that I think you're looking for in this scheme, which is a guy that can, you know, be another sort of 
Troy Anderson type of player, but maybe not as raw as Troy Anderson coming into the league with the size, uh, the pass rush ability, you know, the coverage ability, all that sort of things. Um, so he makes a, a lot of sense for the Falcons, especially in a world if they were to say trade back a couple of spots for some team looking to leapfrog the Panthers to get a quarterback or something like that. Who knows? But while I haven't done a deep dive on this linebacker class, I've seen a couple of guys. Uh, and again, part of that is due to the fact that my expectations are that the Falcons will solve their linebacker need in free agency. But the handful of guys I've seen, you know, like I'm mildly impressed by them. And so if the Falcons don't sign that free agent or don't draft the Drew Sanders in round one, you know, there should be some options for them on day two of the draft. And, you know, when I've consistently done my seven round mock drafts on the various mock draft simulators out there in the world, um, you know, I've consistently been mocking, you know, linebackers to the Falcons in like rounds five and round seven, you know, uh, on day three of the draft, because I look at it where I was like, okay, well, Michael Walker's entering contract year. Right. And, you know, if you let Kwiatkowski and Evans walk, right. And then you have Landman and Etheridge, right. Like you want to bring in a, your own linebacker, right. With this new regime with uh, Ryan Nielsen and whatnot, you want to bring your own guy into the building to, to potentially compete with Landman and Etheridge for that last linebacker spot. And also to potentially be groomed to replace Michael Walker. Should he depart after this upcoming season as that third linebacker and give you some depth and maybe down the road, that guy turns into a potential starter for you. So I do feel like the Falcons are in a position to bring multiple linebackers into the building, both in free agency and the draft. Um, but like I said, I think this linebacker position is not going to get as much oxygen as, say, the pass rush or when, you know, later this week when we talk about the secondary, right, where you have some obvious issues there. It's not going to get as much uh conversation there but i do think linebacker is quietly one of the bigger needs that this team needs to address and so we'll see how they address it right uh you know i know my personal bias against linebackers because i tend to put more focus on the front and the back end and the linebackers kind of get lost in the shuffle but you know anybody will tell you that it's really hard to have a good defense you know I've made the statement, it's hard to have a good defense without good safety play, but it's also pretty hard to have a good defense without linebacker, good linebacker play, although the Eagles probably would put that to the test. But then again, their linebackers were pretty good this year, despite the fact that they've invested virtually nothing in them. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see what the Falcons do, right? Uh, I, I certainly think they're going to have to revamp and upgrade this front seven in order to play the style of defense that Ryan Nielsen wants to play. Obviously, the focus is going to be primarily on those guys up front and bringing that pass rush. But also, as I said, because of the way that they're going to play with soft, softer boxes, you need to have your linebackers being able to carry a lot of the heavy lifting as well, particularly against the run, not to mention to be able to cover guys uh, and all these dynamic tight ends that we're seeing throughout the NFL uh, in these days. But that's it, guys, in terms of the linebacker position. We'll talk about the corners um, on tomorrow's episode and hopefully get to the safeties um, by the end of the week. Um, we'll see if there's any other news that we need to discuss with the Falcons. I know Charles London left the team um, to become the Tennessee Titans passing game coordinator. Not, a, you know, that is another vacancy that the Falcons have to fill. So we'll see if the Falcons start filling some of these coaching vacancies by the end of the week. And that may push one of these, you know, uh, positional breakdowns into next week. And then we'll also have, of course, uh, the all important special teams breakdown as well at some point next week as well. So we'll, we'll see, we'll play it by ear with that, but we'll continue to push through these uh, positional breakdowns to wrap up the lead, wrap up 
uh, the year. And then Monday's episode, I, I know we'll do a mock draft Monday. And maybe that will be the time where we'll talk about some of these uh, coaching changes as well. Um, that will be a good opportunity for that. So uh, that's what's in store here on Lockdown Falcons. Please continue to make us your first listen each and every day on your preferred podcast platform. Check out Locked On NFL in the run-up to this year's big game. And, of course, you can find them on all the same podcast platforms that you're currently watching or listening Locked On Falcons. Check out Locked On Sports Atlanta, Locked On Hawks, Locked On Braves, Locked On Bulldogs, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.